everyone to the Hilliard Beacon Audio Companion number 47. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Smith, and I am joined as per usual by my good friend Tim Hoffman. Bonus Nacho! I do enjoy these varieties of greeting that I get from you every week. And uh, our intrepid reporter, Kevin Corvo. Happy New Year. This is our first recording of 2024. Yes, we are back in it and back on it, folks, for you. Uh, charting a new course, new year, and uh, we're going to be giving you more of the same great coverage of the things that are happening here in Hilliard and around uh, the surrounding area. And Jordan? That, generally speaking, starts with a, a direct interjection from Tim Hoffman. Go ahead, Tim. What yes. do you have for us? Yeah, Hilliard. What state is uh, Hilliard in? Ohio, sir. Ohio. Hot dog. We are here uh, in you know one of 50, uh, absolutely, and some adjacent uh, uh, communities. And uh, Ohio is uh, on course for a big 2024. Uh, there's a lot of things happening that are really uh, pointing the way towards uh, another year as a, a major real estate market, another year as a major recipient of federal investment in the form of Build Back Better and all these things and uh, things being located and centered on Ohio that we, we haven't seen in the last 20, 25 years. As far as I recall, you know, there's talk of rail connections and all sorts of things happening and being greenlit this year. So uh, Ohio, uh, earning the new old moniker as heart of it all, I think is, is very apropos this year. Railroads. We could be joining the 19th century here. Yeah. Return. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always used to joke that growing up in Lisbon, Ohio, uh, we were a canal town, so we decided to skip uh, largely uh, rail and the highways. But uh, you know, we're banking on some someday we're going back to the going back to the banks of the muddy Wishka. In the twenty second century, I believe we'll see a resurgence of canal based canal based transit in, and in uh, trade. Well, you know, gosh, <laughs> awful portents or uh, enjoyable return to tradition. Who can tell you? We do have some infrastructure problems. It seems. Yeah, the there's, there's always a bridge somewhere that needs some work. Uh, and roads uh, as well. But we'll get into a little bit of that. We'll also get into uh, primarily talking more specifically, more locally, as you've come to know, about Hilliard uh, itself. Just getting back into things, uh, Kevin, you had a piece published just yesterday, January 10th, uh, on kind of the the layout of the year from, from a couple different perspectives. You, you looked at it from uh, city investments and things like uh, the new community center known as the well, uh, the community plan that will be going through additional modifications, uh, the economic drivers and businesses growing and developing mm -hmm. here in the community, and, and some are long-held Hilliard properties and, and businesses, and some are new additions. And then you, you went a little bit into the public services sector there at the end, uh, discussing uh, growth in the police services and, and things of mm -hmm. that nature. And uh, just real quick, right at the top, let's preview the next piece that you've got coming out for the Hilliard Beacon, uh, which is, I think, more interesting info on the fire levy uh, that you said you were going to be working on. So talk a little bit about the state of those affairs, if you don't mind, because I know people have been interested in that. Yes, uh, there will be a new levy uh, on, on the ballot, a 4.9 mil levy on the March... 18th ballot, I believe it is, but on the primary ballot. And I had asked the fire department for some uh, for some figures that they got back today with me on. Um, if approved, uh, the levy 
is to generate, and I did not have this pulled up uh, quickly, so I apologize. I was going to talk about what I already wrote first. Well, you um, know, but I love if the, the four point really nine mil levy <laughs> is passed, uh, it will cost a homeowner uh, per one hundred thousand dollar property valuation would increase it by one hundred seventy two dollars a year. Uh, that levy, uh, funds from that levy, or revenue from that levy, if passed, uh, will be used to equip uh, a fourth fire station, which would be on the property by the well. Uh, and uh, there are some interesting figures here that I got from uh, Chief Baird, Fire Chief David Baird. Um, just examples of how operating costs have increased. Uh, the last operating levy that Hilliard approved was in 20. 13, I think. Um, but uh, a fire engine in 2013 uh, cost $469,000. A new fire engine today is in the neighborhood of $1.2 million. Mercy. Uh, an ambulance in 2013, a squad, uh, $211,000. And today that same vehicle is $324,000. Actually not as much an increase. Um, I haven't got a calculator in front of me, but... The that fire, is the fire engine is more than change. double. Yes, the fire engine is double, but the uh, cost of a new squad is only maybe thirty percent more, or not not that much more. I think it's because all the cool people are buying fire so. trucks now. <laughs> That's becoming the um, uh, Instagram clout. The bougie, the bougie uh, third vehicle of choice. You know, not the daily driver, not the family transport, <laughs> but the third thing is the fire engine, which obviously you know you only get out for the real occasions, but. Uh, it's got to be maintained, kept ready. For sure. Uh, put some stylish graphics on, et cetera, et cetera. Please, folks, don't don't park it in the driveway. <laughs> Your neighbors are going to worry. Yeah, they're going to think there's something happening. You know, I March was, 19th is the day of the election in March. All right. Well, we're going to get those uh, statements up and, and that information out to folks in the coming days. Uh, I think I was reading somewhere that I think one of our – compatriots on Substack, Civic Capacity, William Lutz. He wrote today about fire and EMS services in Troy, Troy, Ohio. I think it okay. is. And I think the thing that we're, we're seeing is actually just a little bit of the role that negotiation has played over the years and maybe, funnily enough, uh, kind of the role that media is being asked to play in these negotiations and forwarding statements and getting perceptions out there. I think it's, it's one thing to want to document it. It's another thing to kind of treat it like a horse race issue where it's warring factions of people kind of arguing over services or something. I I don't think that's ever been our goal or ambition or, or style of coverage. Mm, 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 Um, mm, But mm, I do think that that's something that uh, can come through if we're not careful about it, which we always have been. But uh, what what are your takeaways on this, Kevin? Is this just kind of, I mean, it's been 20-plus years that there have been these discussions and sometimes uh, slow, slower-paced negotiations. I talked on a previous one of these audio companions about looking up some old information and finding uh, similar framed conversations about these contracts going back decades. So what's been your experience there? Is this kind of just generally the state of play for how these things happen, the back and forth that goes on between these two bodies, essentially where they're offering fire service contracts, but it's taking a long time to get this done. I mean, 
I think this is pretty natural for the state of uh, decision making that that happens here in Central this is Ohio. A Brown Township. I didn't read. Yeah. I didn't read the article about the Troy Fire Department. Oh no, no, no. I just mean like in general speaking, these kind of things, this push pull. Um, you know, maybe we're not alone in this, and I think uh, uh, portraying it as any kind of crisis or, or intense crisis situation might um, might be part of uh, a, a mistake uh, on our part. Is this just how it's gone in your experience? Yeah, I think that's the other thing too that uh, is important to remember is that these communities aren't going away. Services are going to be rendered, and as mm -hmm. the Norwich has said all along, they are ready to provide service. They're just looking at their costs, their structures, their projections, and they're saying this is what our best estimates are and this is what our needs mm -hmm. are projected to be. And hearing those answers is not always uh, what you want to hear as, as those people and those residents uh, accommodating increased property taxes. I know we got ours today and it had gone up. They might get some pushback on that. I mean, there have been several residents who have uh, reached out or emailed me asking these questions yeah. as, as well. Yeah. Uh, I, so I think a handful of residents will ask the Norwich Township explain, explain why up. this levy is needed. And the cost of equipment and the fourth fire station that they're going to staff and equip is, is certainly a certain example of it. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of people are dealing a, a little bit with sticker shock. I was talking with Tim a couple of days ago when we were riding home together, and I've been kicking around this long gestating piece on just what it costs to operate the donut business these days mm -hmm. and the way that my supplies the change the price percent change increase over two years in my supply cost is in a lot of cases 30 to 60 percent across the product line and i mean that makes for a whole different set of calculus that goes into trying to do any of this stuff and when you're talking about the increased cost in a in a engine fire engine that's made has to be made here in the united states locally under uh conditions of panic supply chain price adjustments and everything else that happened uh but now people are counting on certain revenues now people are counting on uh expected earnings that they generated out of that stuff and now it's been documented in a quarterly p l which we know <laughs> drives 90 percent of the business decisions in this country uh, so I don't know. It's, it's an interesting time to be covering these local issues because gosh, uh, it's never been more important for local people to work together to provide <clears throat> services and, and do stuff, uh, directly, but we're all dealing with the same level of sticker shock. So, uh, I look forward to reading that Kevin and getting some more detail, uh, from this is going to be mostly from the recent information you got from Norwich side of things. Yeah. Yes. Great. Well, we'll look forward to that in the coming days, and thank you very much for continuing to uh, do that and invest uh, deeply of yourself in these local uh, environments and, and make sure that you stay on top of this stuff. We appreciate it here, and the city appreciates it as well. So let's talk a little bit about what we've got out there in the world already. Uh, interestingly enough, the last time that we recorded together, we talked about our top 10 stories of last year. Uh, this article that you put out just now kevin is kind of almost a forecast maybe of the top 10 stories of this year in it a way is, and that is borrowed more or less directly from a format that i used at um, s p and and this week uh, where reporters were asked and the communities they covered 
uh, in December, we did a year in review and pretty much did a top 10 list. And then we also were asked to do a forecast story where we went to city managers, mayors, department directors, boards of education, superintendents, and asked them, hey, what, what, are, your, what are your plans and goals and what do you want to see done in that upcoming year? So that's, that's the approach I took. Um, most of what's in the story that published yesterday, we've talked about in the past in one way or another. This story summarizes all those in one place. So uh, the, the construction of the well and the extension of Cosgrave Road um, is something we've covered before. Um, right, but we're <clears throat> hitting new phases of that. I saw yes. the most recent yes. council meeting. They <clears throat> signed one of those ceremonial <clears throat> I-beams that is going to be at the at <clears throat> the peak of the roof or what have <clears throat> you, and there's all sorts of things happening now that are making it very real, not necessarily end stages, but you mentioned in the piece that the, the physical infrastructure, the road extension, will be done for sure this year, correct? Yes, Cosgrave Road will be extended uh, through the well property and development and meet Alton Darby Road. Um, so that'll be open with roundabouts by the end of the summer. Right. <clears throat> uh, and then I think the, the last thing to really talk about with the well is that it, the work on the physical mm-hmm. campus continues. Uh, the budget adjustments that you already talked about have not changed since then. So we'll no. keep an eye on that as we go through the year. But as you suggested, it's kind of interesting that I love the old school newspaper format of review preview and uh in doing so it kind of points the way towards what our coverage really hopes to provide here is just this ongoing understanding of what is really happening and driving a lot of the major things you see happening around the city and engaging with that stuff in an ongoing way is kind of the key sure because Throughout this piece, this preview piece you wrote for 2024, we talk about things that we have talked about in our coverage in the previous year. Uh, The community plan being one thing. They talk about the upcoming zoning code adjustments, and that was a key piece in the election. Absolutely. Uh, So that's a thing that our readers and our listeners should be paying attention to as well, is that there are going to be meetings upcoming now that is actually going to be getting into the meat of what is approved for various areas of the community plan that they've targeted for change, development, and adjustment. So those areas that you mentioned specifically are the Big Derby, uh, downtown Hilliard, which continues its uh, march towards uh, uh, becoming a destination for the city. Uh, Cemetery Road is a significant investment area and the Mm -hmm. I-270 corridor, which you've seen with TruePoint and other things of that nature. But Talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, maybe that element of things, like the city work that's going to happen in meetings. What typically is the schedule for that? Do you think we'll see zoning code coming up in March, April, May? I didn't ask the timeline for it, but the the Planning and Zoning Commission would be looking at what they want to put and include in the zoning code. Um, What will be allowed is allowable development allowable uses in these various districts because eventually those, city council will also uh, weigh in on that and approve those recommendations those votes or not take place or modify at the them. end of the year though so in order for the commission to get those things in front of city council for review and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff i think probably you know by mid-year we should have an idea of all those individual areas of development what zoning i think so uh, 
I, I didn't ask the administration what timetable they had on delivering that, though. Um, I asked them pretty much in the calendar year in 12 months, what do you see happening? So right. by the end of the year, I don't know how soon. Right. Well, that's what we're here for, fellas. <laughs> we'll keep track of that. Yeah. Indeed. <clears throat> All right. And then we also talked a little bit about uh, some of the economic drivers. And this kind of gets back to that point as well about um, things that we've already covered, such as TruePoint and the Hilton Home 2 and, and mm-hmm. how those kind of businesses, advanced drainage systems, are moving their headquarters in. Their work on their engineering campus is continuing as well. So their two locations are going. Uh, but we hadn't talked about on this show or in our coverage 4C Power. So 4C Power is this French company mm-hmm. that's uh, been induced or enticed to locate a North American headquarters mm-hmm. right here in Hilliard with a factory component for battery building, mm-hmm. creating up to uh, 150 jobs all through that organization. So that would be within city limits, high density job creation, you know, on that mid industrial level targeted towards renewable resources. Um, There have been uh, very few um, updates on this since the original announcement back in 2022. But when I saw that Kevin mentioned it in the piece, I started digging around in some of the listings and looking around on various resources. I noticed that on LinkedIn, some of the hiring went live for the jobs just yesterday. So it's it's interesting to see these things kind of take shape. Now I, I think in the piece I put in there that it would it was going to open its work, but it's not going to have completion of the facility until I think it's targeted twenty twenty seven. It seems like out? yeah, it seems like they're doing some intensive uh, construction right there at that facility. It's like right in between the plumbing store and uh, the knife store. Right. So it's really kind of interesting uh, to see some of these things jump into our coverage that we've had ongoing. But that's important because that is what a community-based news reporting source should be doing, bringing things into and passing things through people's consciousness so that they understand things from start to finish or, uh, you know, joining in progress where they are. So I think that's been a great, great point, and I was glad to see that in our coverage this week. Let's also talk about uh, the public services. You That's a new in, component. Okay, um, go for um, it. And that uh, Chief Woods uh, just shared that they'll be hiring some additional officers uh, in, in 2024. Um, I saw, and I read uh, the job description. hire its first the... civilian crime analyst. Yes. Uh, so I might take an opportunity soon to ask what that job entails. Um, I think that could be a standalone story on its own. Oh, absolutely. Um, when we so, hire that crime <laughs> analyst as a city, I think we definitely need to get them in here. Yeah. <laughs> Got to have that conversation. <clears throat> it's like, how do I get away with this? No, Tim, no, <laughs> not <laughs> those questions. No. It, we are we are discussing how they're going to help us uh, have a smarter, more responsive uh, investigative process uh, dealing with crimes of uh, this new era. I think that was the thing with... Uh, that stood out to me with Chief Wood's response to you is that he said, you know, more specifically that they feel like uh, there are challenges to policing in this time. Uh, and they feel that this <clears throat> hire of this analyst is going to help provide some uh, some scope and focus to doing that work in a, in a good way. So 
Uh, I'll be interested to talk uh, to Councilperson Cole about this because that was, you know, her specific in, in interest in pursuing a lot of this uh, job was that to to be inter interested in that part of public service and, and has been interested in that part of public service. So I'll be interested in that. I, I for one, would love to get, and again, our friend up at Civic Capacity has already done one of these pieces about uh, the deployment of the automated license plate readers as those go in and as the police start generating reports out of that and actually start doing work out of those, I would love to see those reports, you know, both queries that go into the system as, as what they're using the system for, but also the success stories of it. Because as I was reading the, the civic capacity newsletter, it was really stunning to me the variety of ways they were able to use this uh, to finish up crimes, essentially. <laughs> Uh, so I would like to see how that works here and if it is working and, and what people's early feedback on that system is. So, you know, as far as that type of stuff's concerned, I think we're off to a, a great start for keeping our finger on the pulse of what's happening here in Hilliard. So thank you again for another good week of writing there, Kevin. We do appreciate it. That being said, fellas, mm. let's talk about New Year's resolutions for us, for the Hilliard oh. Beacon. <clears throat> I think we need to have some goal setting. And that means we need to make sure we don't lose any of our long-term subscribers when the annual renewals come rolling around in February, right. which is when we started. And that means we need to do a big old membership drive because yep. <laughs> I've got ambitions for this thing uh, to help all these people out here in listener land. And I want to accelerate uh, the trajectory. You know, I, Spent the weekend watching the Beatles Get Back documentary, eight hours of my life, and <laughs> that's uh, time well spent. I enjoyed I've it. Done it too. It's really, it's a really interesting thing to watch. I enjoyed it a lot, and not necessarily for the Peter Jackson mumbo jumbo AI uh, image smoothing or whatever happened in there. It was mostly audio. It was mostly audio. That's why you could hear anything. It's right. It sounded. The ability to isolate and enhance audio through that. And you could tell that they were using audio with non-matching footage because mm -hmm. the mouth didn't match the, the, the audio being spoken in a lot of scenes. But that's that was just, because... That's just the British accent, actually. <laughs> that happens in real life over there. Paul's broken a glass. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. <clears throat> but it was nice to see that kind of reappraisal. But uh, where was I going with any of this? No, our, our goals for this thing, we need to have a, a kind of a membership drive. We need to get people to realize <clears throat> that we're here to do a concert on the roof. <laughs> Uh, in order to put the Hilliard Beacon out there. And I, uh, I for one, want everybody to pay attention when they're driving down uh, Scioto Darby Road in the next week and they're cruising past the donut shop, maybe stopping in for a coffee and a, a quick confection. But as they're flying down to that four-way stop, the last four-way stop in Hilliard, uh, <laughs> I want people to take a look out the window and maybe uh, pass along the QR code that will be scannable and subscribe to the Hilliard Beacon because we're going to be having a big billboard sign out in front of the shop here in the next couple of days. Hopefully to let all these wonderful commuters, 15,000 of which leave our city every day, <laughs> uh, that they can pipe into this uh, information 
uh, via these subscriptions. So what do you guys want to have done by the end of this next year as far as the Hilliard Beacon goes? We've talked a little bit about some of your ambitions, Tim, for a, a separated series, and I think maybe we should talk about that a little bit now. Sure. Well, my goals is I want to keep doing this. I want to make sure we get 52 audio companions made and delivered. Yeah, we clicked over the 100 uh, delivered posts, which means combination audio product and Kevin's writing. We had uh, that two uh, bits of information a week average that we set out to deliver and promised to deliver and delivered. So we're right there on those scales, but you're taking things in, a, in another direction. Sure. Uh, one of my personal goals is to get uh, interviews with the local business people and other persons of interest and do uh, at least uh, once a month to put up uh, partially in front of and partially behind our paywall to encourage people to uh, support us financially, uh, to get some uh, extra uh, content, to get some more of the texture of the people that are going to work every day creating uh, unique businesses in Hilliard uh, that our readership is best positioned to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so I I really want to start to to and and to promote small business people like we are, uh, so people know a little bit of this story about uh, why did you do this? Why are you doing it in Hilliard? What is uh, what is your deal, Mister? Mm. Uh, and so that'll be something. Um, you know, as I am trying to increase the produce out of this studio, be it podcasts uh, that we're involved with, podcasts that other people come in and do, and then on the other side of the studio where we're uh, where we're uh, trying to make music of very high quality. Absolutely, I think as a resource, the studio itself has never been closer to. Uh, the production model you've always kind of had in mind. And I think that a, a fine goal for this year is to fully realize that across all of your different expressions, whether it's the music output, which people have been asking about and you're working with some clients <clears throat> on right now. And uh, our stuff that comes out of here as far as audio companions, you know, we're talking about this entrepreneur and business owner show that we're going to do for local people and, and, there's going to be a lot of interest in that. And I think using uh, the paywall to maintain our commitment to always having the publicly necessary information, the stuff that we've made our, our name and reputation mean uh, over the last year, the writing that Kevin's done about city council, the election cycle, development work that happens here, school boards and all that, that stuff is always going to be out front. That stuff will always be available to our, our readership and subscriber <clears throat> base. The things that we're trying to do is give people more decision points to say, yeah, it is worth supporting these guys for all the ambition that they're putting into this and the, and the work that you've done over the course of this year and the years to come. We, we definitely hope to make this a multi-year endeavor. I know there was some concern at the beginning that we couldn't settle into a comfortable place but Kevin the the work you've taken on as working in schools and things like that has has made it more viable to continue this along a, a trajectory that we're on now so as far as this year's concerned in your writing and in your work coming out through this whether it's maybe your veterans interview series that you want to get done and get started mm -hmm. on uh, what, what are some of your goals and hopes for 2024 through the Hilliard Beacon uh, 
that is one thing I would like to build on it that I mentioned late last year is trying to have a series of parallel um, podcasts every so often that can uh, showcase um, our veterans that live in our community. Um, that's something I would like to uh, build upon. Uh, Tim mentioned the other thing that I want to say is, yes, restaurants and our small businesses, maybe particularly restaurants too. Um, uh, what little gyms there are in Hilliard that uh, we don't, that we don't know about. Um, so yeah, like, like the um, the boxing <clears throat> clubs and all this other stuff that's around. I think there's great stories to be told there. People go into mm-hmm. these things for all different kinds of reasons. When I was a very young person going through college and all these other things, I never would have thought I would have made a large section of my life service work uh, and being the donut man and all these other things. But people find themselves in places and businesses and, and work that they, they never anticipated. It's, a, in, it's an interesting thing to kind of crack into. I think there's an opportunity uh, next year to explore more of what um, the teenagers and students in Hilliard are, are doing, um, both service projects. Uh, I, I don't know do, what they're doing in the schools. Sertoma, some other service organizations there might be in the schools, um, Key Club, things like that, uh, what they're doing out in our community. Uh, we spoke a little bit last year about having uh, a sports aspect of our broadcasts. Um, so I would like to look more more into that. We didn't quite get going with that last yeah. year. Um, not just football and Division One things, but uh, but also cross country track, tennis. Uh, there's athletes out there of all stripes that succeed in, in wonderful ways in Hilliard schools, and um, and I don't think that's well known enough. So. Right on. I agree 100% with both of those uh, <clears throat> sentiments expressed. I think it'll be interesting to also <clears throat> spend our time this year trying to develop more of that interconnectivity because, as you hinted to, there are things that we wanted to get to last year, but we didn't. And there are things that we would want to get to in 2024, and we never will. But the interesting thing is there are other people out there kind of doing this for other things and that they're interested in. And one of the things that came along in sports that I was most stunned by is it didn't really happen for my era of uh, high school athletics, but my younger brother and beyond there's become almost regional online networks of sports coverage and things of that nature that Mm. happen all over the place. I saw highlights of upper Arlington and Hilliard playing basketball on TikTok or something as part of like a local uh, high school athletics coverage network. And I thought, you know, maybe we just tie into those people and, Mm exploring the connectivity of this new media market uh, is going to be an interesting challenge this year because I think that's really the thing that we haven't figured out uh, as new providers is how and through who who can you grow through I think it's exposure it's connectivity it's all those things and and finding other networks of resources to tie into that are have separate subscriber bases or separate interests but shared uh, high school athletics and Hilliard go together like bread and butter, baby. Uh, there is a, a group of high school athletics fans that's tied into that network, watching high school sports highlights that would probably also not mind getting more of the civic uh, soup that we provide. Uh, similarly, I wouldn't mind getting more of those folks that are more interested in sports to chime in on our pieces. 
uh, because it is a community and we are all citizens in it and our opinions all matter. And I think bringing our interests in to the things that we cover uh, is going to help us connect to a wider audience. So I hope to continue doing that uh, this year in the time that I have uh, available and, and make more time in my life for this kind of stuff because I think it, it points a, a great future, a great shared future for us here at Franklin Street and the things that we're doing. So uh, I'm excited for 2024. What, uh, what do we have left to address this week? Tim, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, offering the studio as, as more of that? Are you, are, you, are you solid? Are you filled up on clients? Not, not filled up on clients. I think what I need to do is to create a spot on the Franklin Street page where people can go get more information and send in a request. So that is on my to-do list for uh, the remainder of 2025. Hopefully, I'll I'll get a I can get a page up this month on that on that website, <laughs> FranklinStreetCreative.org. We are an org. We are an org. Hey, talk about what took up most of your day yesterday. Oh, I was um, making, <laughs> well, there were two things. I made some music with Don, our neighbor. Oh, sure, yeah. That was the fun part of the day. That was Talk the fun about part the terrible of the day. part of the day. I was Come putting on, off man. The, you know what I'm coming to you for the, right now. Oh, man, the cataclysmic <laughs> roaster failure that I had <laughs> oh. yesterday. <laughs> okay. Uh, apparently, I <clears throat> underestimated the amount of water that came in uh, through the stack that takes the smoke out of my roastery. Mm-hmm. Had a damp coil ignition or something, because one of my one of my uh, heating elements in the coffee roaster pretty much exploded when mm. I took the roaster apart and I looked. There were there are ceramic s- chunks yes. everywhere. There are ceramic insulators that uh, separate the electric heater coil from the frame that supports it, and about seven or eight of them had just exploded. So when you finally found the part that you needed at Lobe Electric, did they have to blow 40 years of dust off of it? Or what was the... <laughs> so, well, that was in the control box. So the, there's the roaster box. And, you know, I had to replace the element, which right. I'm very used to doing. Those go out, you know, every once in a while. And right. I'm very good at getting in. I can swap that out in under an hour. But in the control box, those are not things that you typically have to replace. And the major contactor, which is the major on-off switch for those elements... Uh, had gone kablooey. Whoa. And so uh, that is a heavy-duty connector th- that, you know, uh, conducts a tremendous amount of electricity uh, into those heating elements. And so finding one of those, I was like, all right, what's it going to be? Well, it turns out at your local electric supply house, and shout out to Loeb, uh, right there behind the sheets, uh, right here in Hilliard, I was able to find a part that did the trick um, you know, they use these, it's similar to an electric relay where you send it uh, an electric uh, current, and once that's on, it there's a magnet that connects the larger connectors. And they use these uh, with large motors, air handlers, uh, compressors, those kinds of things that draw a lot of power. You have to have these kinds of things. So they're around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a, a real conventional use to put it in a coffee roaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell me what the the vintage civets part was that was harvested out of a eighty year old civets unit. Yeah, the new old stock contactors that would be a uh, an exact replacement for the what I had. If you could, you know, I found one one company that had some, and they're like, and we're not we're not a licensed. Uh, it's built by Siemens, the German 
uh, Megacorp, but they were like $900 to try and get one of these. And I'm like, I don't have $900 right now. I am in trouble. But um, they had something at a much more doable price at low. It's like if you just need it to be a Switch... Then we've got that. If you need it to be Zizeman switch, <laughs> thank goodness I did not need Zizeman's. Uh, and uh, yeah, I roasted coffee today, and we're about to roast more coffee uh, here presently. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> Kevin. Thank you for a, a wonderful first year of the Hilliard Beacon. I got to say, uh, I think this <laughs> is a, this is a model that people should do their best to embrace. Find find the news. People in your life that have been done horribly by the done dirty uh, the legacy industry that they were in, and and help uh, work through these growing pains because as we're going through this, you're going through this, and I, I mean am. Uh, to be to be able to adjust, to be able to to modify your your work, and to be able to to continue on with the integrity that you always have, I think is uh, going to be more important than ever, and I, I encourage everybody out there to find these local sources of investigative and, you know, just general reporting that have been doing this work, uh, that are still interested in doing this work, that still have these connections before they go away, before this impulse to do this kind of thing fades or is is required to be discarded by you know, the necessities of life. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, January 10th, last year, so yesterday was exactly one year, Mm. That I uh, went, I went up to the library and uh, printed out uh, a twelve-page or fourteen-page document. Went home and signed it, and that was my severance mm. from Gannett. So it is, it is uh, one year exactly yesterday. So wow. that ended a formal career that I had had for thirty years. So and um, I know you I, won't I thank say you, it, but I'll say it. Get bent, Gannett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a million percent, a million percent. That's um, that's co-signed from every part of this table. Yeah. <laughs> so I thank you for the opportunity to continue not only uh, practicing a craft I love, but to also do it in a community I've called home my entire life, which makes it even more meaningful um, that I do it um, because it wouldn't mean the same thing to do it anywhere else. Um, Logan, Ohio, the paper in Logan still carries on down there. They had an opening for a reporter that the job description was what I did, go to city council meetings and village council meetings and township trustee things. I'm not going to commute to Logan. Um, that's not a Gannett paper. I don't, that was a different outfit there. But I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to keep, uh, to keep um, doing that. And it's meaningful to me uh, when uh, people ask, uh, I've been getting emails from a reader about, you know, what's going on with the fire levy? Why do they need a 4.9 mil fire levy? So. Um, there are a, there are people who still uh, want to know what's what's going on. Yeah, in the city, um, we have a new city council president, Cynthia Vermillion. I'll be speaking with her um, this weekend, so look for that um, coming down the road soon too. I'm just going to ask her about her uh, goals and preferred initiatives and uh, what uh, she would like to see done as uh, now that she's city council president. There are always uh, there are always goals, and I think uh, keeping up keeping up with that stuff is going to be a big part of what we're always going to do. So, looking forward to meeting with uh, her and having her back on probably uh, to talk about some of that uh, ambition and goal for 2024. So, until next time, I think that's a great place to leave it. 
we will uh, probably wrap things up right here. Tim Hoffman, say goodbye to the people. Goodbye to the people. Kevin Corvo, say farewell. Arrivederci. Arrivederci, thank you. And until next time, my name is Jordan Smith, and we will be back right here uh, in the coming days to talk to you about what's happening in Hilliard.